Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Hey, everybody. It is time to gather around the table, Redemption's Table. I'm Robert Barge, your host. Here we are in the middle of November. We're one week closer from gathering around another special table, the table of Thanksgiving. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a lot to be thankful for this year. One of my many reasons for giving gratitude is for you. Those of you who right now are tuned in to this podcast, those of you who have listened in the past, those of you who have shared this podcast with other people, passed it along, it's evident that you are doing exactly that because every week our numbers, our listeners continue to grow. And that is awesome. I want to thank you. It's also been interesting that everywhere we have sat down to share a meal, it's amazing how quiet that restaurant is as we are eating, but as soon as we start recording the conversation, hello, (laughs) everybody pours in. But that's just great. That's just part of the ambiance of this podcast. It's a nice touch, and it's like we are auditioning for extras because they always show up. This is going to be a special week. We are about to talk to a very special person. That's true every week, but man, this story is so encouraging. So let's just get into it right now. And again, one more time, thank you for being a part of this table. Here we go. Well, welcome to Redemption's Table. I am sitting here today at Cahaba House Restaurant, downtown Montgomery, and I am with Wanda Battle. Wanda, welcome to the table. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. You said Wanda Howard Battle. Wanda Howard Battle. Yes. I was in a convenience store a few nights back, I was I stopped by this convenience store that I never stopped in before. I stopped there to pick up a bag of ice, which typically I would not be doing that. I was on my way to a Bible study. And I looked down and there was the front page of the Montgomery Advertiser with this headline. We need more people like Dexter Avenue Baptist Church's Wanda Battle. And I was like, I'm buying a paper. It's the first time I've bought a paper in three or four years. Because I thought, well, I need to read this article. And when I read the article, I was like, I need to invite Wanda to the table. Mm. So thank you for accepting the invitation. I'm glad to be here. 
listen to a wonderful time to uh, to just have this kind of opportunity to share some thoughts about where we should be going as human beings. And so I want to just say thank you to you for the invitation. God is good. Yeah. He is good. Yes, ma'am. Well, I read in the article, first thing I noticed, it said you're the official tour director of Dexter Avenue. It's now Dexter Avenue King Memorial Baptist Church. That's right. Historic church. And how did you come to that position? I was out of work for five months. And every day I would say, God, give me this day my daily bread. Lord, I'm trusting you no matter what, and I'm thanking you right now. On April 26, 2014, I received a call from a dear friend that I had uh, shared a Valentine's dinner with in that February. Mm -hmm. And we had the most wonderful time, and I don't get to see her too often. But evidently, that evening, something happened in the relationship of our friendship. And on August 26, she, I mean April 26, she calls me and she says, Wanda, she says, Judge um, Vanzetta Penn McPherson is looking for a tour guide in Dexter. Do you think this is something you would like to do? Well, Robert, because I've been out of work for five months, I'm on the other side of the phone dancing, <laughs> and I and I and I very calmly say, "Yes, I do. I think I would like to do that." <laughs> so, so your feet were going to town. And you were just trying to be as calm as possible. Yes, and so I accepted the position, and everything opened. The doors opened so quickly for me to take that position, and all I can tell you, I just see God in it wow. from then till now, and here five years. Wow. Mm -hmm. We're going to encourage people to take the tour, to come to Montgomery, Alabama, or you know, if they already live here, to go and, and take the tour at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. But tell us a little bit, for those who are listening on the podcast, maybe who don't live in the area, tell us a little bit about Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. What is its significance? This church is significant because of the work, the body of work and sacrifice and Dr. Martin Luther King's leadership of the Montgomery Bus Boycott, which initiated here in Montgomery. And Dr. King was the 20th pastor, and he was the pastoring the church at the time that Mrs. Rosa Parks was arrested. And because Dr. King was this young 26-year-old uh, man at that time, mm -hmm. And he had already gotten a reputation as this amazing uh, preacher, speaker, kind. He was new on the block. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, he was recommended to be the spokesperson for the bus boycott. Wow. And it really put a light on the church, which is very interesting because Dexter has historically been known as a church of the socially elite, the more affluent of the African-American community. Mm -hmm. There were doctors, lawyers, business owners, and educators. And so with it being so close to the state capitol, it's like there are so many dynamics that have just made this a perfect unfolding of some divine story mm -hmm. being told. And because they were um, the more wealthy uh, ones of the community, it put a lot of light because they were leaders mm -hmm. and they owned businesses in the downtown area. And so with that, because Dr. King came and he took on that movement and he not only took on the, the Montgomery bus boycott, but he was leading this particular group of people who were special in this community. Mm -hmm. And I must say, as I've looked at it, Robert, the um, influence 
and the um, access of networking that this group of people had. It was very important to the success of the bus boycott. Wow. I've noticed a couple of things. Well, I've noticed one thing, but I want to ask a question first. How soon did the Rosa Parks bus uh, boycott, how soon did that happen after Dr. King came to Dexter Avenue? It was a little over a year. Dr. Wow. King came to Dexter September 1954. Okay. And of course, as we know, Ms. Parks was arrested December 1st, 1955. Okay. So that, uh, just about a little over a year, okay. gave enough time for the people to get to know of this young preacher at Dexter. Okay. And for Dr. King to become acclimated to the community as well and assess the injustices of segregation and the Jim Crow laws that were pertinent, you know, prevalent here in the city. Right. Okay. Another thing that's always struck me is how close Dexter Avenue Baptist Church is <laughs> to the state capitol. And we had a little bit of conversation off the record before we started, but, but I explain that because you know it, it's within the shadow of the, the capital of the state of Alabama and often uh, just because of the way towns were built and the time in which they were built churches african-american churches were actually should not have been but often on the fringes of the community and yet here it is probably within two blocks maybe a block yeah it's one block from the state capitol wow and yeah. I'm just amazed how did that happen I'm going to try to give you the, the shorter version, but, but give you a background. First Baptist Church of Montgomery, that is on Perry Street, that takes mm -hmm. up that block, mm -hmm. that was the original church. Okay. And during slavery, the black enslaved people attended the same church with the masters. Okay. Of course, you know, they sat separately. But in 1865, when slavery was officially abolished with the 13th Amendment, mm -hmm. well, the now enslaved slave people were now free and so they said we want our own church so they then established first Baptist Church colored okay. that is on what we now call Ripley Street, okay. which is ironically across the street in front of our police station. Yes, uh. and that was 1867 when that church was established. Okay. Ten years later, the church had really grown, and the more affluent, more educated ones of that congregation said, "We want our own church." So. They then established Second Colored Baptist Church in okay. 1877 that is now called Dexter Avenue King Memorial Baptist Church. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that is cool. That is cool. Now, let me share this part. Yes. So, um, once they moved, um, established their church, of course, slavery just ended. So, the Harwell Basin Slave Pen, that is three doors approximately from the uh, Titian Fountain that's mm -hmm. in the middle of Dexter, mm -hmm. well, the membership began to meet in that slave pen. Wow. And then in 1879, the uh, trustees purchased the property mm -hmm. close to the Capitol. And yes, there was controversy from a group of whites in the community complaining that the city was allowing mm -hmm. these uh, black people to purchase that property so close to the Capitol. And um, as time passed, mm -hmm. Of course, there were houses after the church was built. There were houses on both sides of the church and on the side. But it developed into this great downtown area. And so the church has always maintained its place there. And I just see that as the hand of God. Yes, ma'am. Wow. That has kept it 
And wow. so here it is. Um, the second Sunday of December, the church will celebrate its 142nd anniversary. Wow. Wow. Talk about something incredibly redemptive taking a place where once slaves were held and actually that became for it, it became a temporary place of worship. Yes. Uh, that's that's that that'll preach. That's yeah. got a lot of um, wow. Wow. A few months ago, you know, on Facebook they give you the opportunity to put a little bio, quick bio, and, and I used to have something different listed there, but uh, I recently wrote, this is my bio. My bio on Facebook is this, this world is God's incredible showcase, and I'm just a tour guide pointing out some of his treasures. And so, in a way, we're tour guides together, and that's, that's kind of the whole focus of this particular podcast. Um, but that article there in the Montgomery Advertiser conveyed that you have a similar viewpoint in life, not just that you're the tour guide at Dexter Avenue, but you have the same kind of mentality. Uh, and so as you're going through your life, where have you seen the goodness of God lately in life? Um, I see it in every way because for this particular season, because of what is happening in our global world, mm -hmm. Uh, and what's happening in this country and all of the dynamics of human rights, social justice, civil rights issues that are on the table now. This is like a ripe time now for people wanting to change and be better and um, see our country come together. Mm -hmm. And what I have a very precious opportunity to do is to speak into the lives of people coming from around the world to Montgomery now mm -hmm. to learn this civil rights history. And I have an opportunity to tell them we must be the change and we must love. And it begins with me. And I begin to sing, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Do you remember that song? I Mama? do remember that song, yes. yes. And I learned it in the Catholic Church. Um, my mother, we all attended uh, St. Jude Catholic School. My mm -hmm. mother loved uh, St. Jude. Mm -hmm. And so all of us attended school there until we moved to Atlanta, Georgia in 1968. But those nuns taught us a lot of songs that I look back now and see human rights songs. Yeah. Songs that were about coming together as, as one people, as brothers and sisters. And I have always loved that song. Let it begin with me. Yeah. And that's how I live and that's how I teach every day. And as I was sharing with you earlier, this work of human rights is not a, an event, mm -hmm. meaning a protest out with a sign. Right. It's not just that. It's a lifestyle. It's how we live with each other every day. Yeah. How you believe about yourself. What are your morals? Mm -hmm. What are your values? What's important? How you then treat your family? How do you work in the community? Apply it. How are you thinking about people in a global sense of different cultures, different ethnicities and genders and um, disabilities and needs of people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and every day, every one of us are having to make that decision. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. You know, you talked about, you know, that song, Let There Be Peace on Earth, Let It Begin With Me. Yes. The prayer that Jesus taught His disciples to pray, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then you've got this, these two statements that are parallel statements, thy kingdom come. Yes. And then He defines what that means. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Often when I'm praying that in church, 
I'm not misquoting the prayer. I'm just making it more personal. When I get to that part, I will say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in me as it's done in heaven. Because it has to start with each one of us. Uh, it's not out there where there needs to be. It's within our own individual heart. Yeah, and we uh, must forgive each other. We must forgive that because that's a part of the, the uh, Lord's Prayer mm -hmm. is forgive um, us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Right. Yeah, so we that's a part of love. We must forgive because if you live in this human flesh carnal reality of who we are, mm -hmm. we're going to offend somebody at oh, yeah. some point. Yeah. And so we must be humble enough in heart to say, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Do you know that idea you had was really a good one? You know, we must acknowledge each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so um, the, all of these dynamics help us then to really make the best of our of social justice and our humanity to be the better person. Every day we're growing and seeking to be love and be light. Because mm -hmm. that's one of the things I end my tours with is I tell everybody be love and be light every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. And I can see the love and the light shining out from you now. <laughs> and of course I read about it in the article but now I'm witnessing it face to face. This would have been a great podcast to actually do a, a, a video with. Uh, but I want to ask you this question because sure. the article also indicated that you know now you see the goodness of God but there was a time in your life when you did not see that. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about Oh that? absolutely. I've been suicidal twice. I've mm -hmm. been homeless. I had to go ask for food when I lived in Chicago. And I felt I'd really hit rock bottom. And you look, I look back at that season of my life, and at the time, choices that I had made um, and decisions I'd made at that time put me in those circumstances. And for many years, I could not forgive myself. For many years, the the shame of it just kept me under. Mm -hmm. And the other part too, being suicidal, was that I was busy comparing myself to other people. And when you do that, you never met. No, no. You never do. And so it left me inside feeling I was never enough. And then uh, when I would be in the midst of people who I thought were really smart or gifted and talented, I would sit quiet because I felt I had nothing of substance or of importance to say. And it was all fear. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm just telling people don't fear. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and about 15 years ago, I had a divine un un unfolding. The veil came off of my spirit. Spirit of fear. I was challenged. God challenged me in the midst of a situation. And he asked me in this matter in the midst of this group that was um, that I was intimidated by and actually afraid of mm -hmm. and I told him I wasn't doing that and he says I just need you to state a position that's how the Holy Spirit spoke to me mm -hmm. and I said I'm not doing that and when he let me see what happened as a result all of its relationships mm -hmm. I can't do anything about some situations now and I'm just having to let God work it out. But I saw enough then that devastated me because I didn't speak up. And I prayed and I said, God, if you so help me, I'll never be afraid of another person again. Do you know what a door threshold is? You know how you walk, step out of the kitchen to the dining room? It was like I stepped over a door threshold and fear 
left me. Wow. And my life changed. Wow. Because fear left me. Yeah. I live in such a, it's like I'm flying like an eagle now. I live in such a free, open space. And I share on the tours with people. I now get me. Who I am, I am. And who I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. Who you are, you are. And who you are not, you're not. And it's okay. Yeah. And so I live in a real place now. Yeah. I, and I do it intentionally. And I tell people to be intentional how you live with each other and how you live within yourself. Yeah. yeah. So here I am now, and I'm having the best time. I'm 63 years young now, and life is good. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's honest. You're Wanda Howard Battle. Who else, who else would you be? You know? <laughs> I mean, that's exactly who, who, you, who you are, and that's who God knit you to be. Yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and all of those things, see, I thought I'd never tell anybody about, you know, being suicidal and homeless and having to go ask for food. Do you know how embarrassing that is to be in that place? And let me tell you this. The lady, the social worker who serviced me when I went into DHR to ask for food, mm -hmm. I was crying so hard. You know how Lucille Ball used to cry oh, yeah. on TV? It was such like an, a total abandonment of weeping and sobbing. And I walked in there like that, mm -hmm. crying out loud. Mm -hmm. And the lady said to me, she said, stop that crying. If you didn't have a knee, I would have a job. Hmm. <laughs> and I tell her, if I was looking for Miss Compassion, she was not it. She was not it. <laughs> <laughs> but what she did for me, I've heard her voice time and time again. When I got walked out of there with the two bags of groceries and got down life's road, this is how I, I picture it, mm -hmm. I got down life's road just a little further. The Holy Spirit of God revealed to me what she was saying to me. She was saying, stop having a pity party. Be thankful that God had provided these services that when you need these things, you have a place to come get them. And don't think you're staying here. This is just a through place. Yeah. Wow. And you know something? I can tell you, once I got that message, it hasn't stopped hard times from happening on them. But how I respond to them, Oh, it's totally different. Yeah, now. yeah. Yeah. You're originally from Montgomery. Mm -hmm. So you, you start life here. Y'all did move to Atlanta. Uh huh, because after Dr. King was killed April of 1968, mm -hmm. my mother moved us in August of that year. Okay. Just a few months later because she needed a better job. She mm -hmm. had eight children. And she told us there were two things. She said, I want you to have better exposure mm -hmm. and I want you to, um, to be. Um, to have more opportunities. Mm -hmm. Those were the things, exposure and opportunities. Mm -hmm. And we got to Atlanta, Georgia, and this is 1968. So mm -hmm. when we arrived to Atlanta, Peachtree Street is full of hippies <laughs> who are smoking weed and, and streaking and swimming naked in Piedmont Park. We thought we had died and gone to New York City. I bet. I bet. And so it has been an amazing ride. And what also changed my life. Um, mother asked me once we got to Atlanta, she said, Wanda, what extracurricular activity would you like to get involved with? 
And I said, Mother, I'd like to take ballet. I'd like to be a ballerina. Wow. And she asked Mrs. Juanita Abernathy, Reverend Ralph Abernathy, Dr. King's yeah. best friend, well, they had already moved to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she asked Mrs. Juanita Abernathy what was the best ballet school. And she told her Spelman College. Okay. Robert, I got out of that car on that Saturday morning to go to my first lesson, and I looked around Spelman's campus and I said, this is where I'm going to college. I didn't apply to any other school. Wow. And I can tell you what a perfect fit it was for me. Had challenges, but I graduated from Spelman in 1977. Wow. And all I can tell you, it's been so wonderful. Yeah, just watching God. Because I often think now, had, had I not been accepted to Spelman, I had not even applied to another school, so had I not been accepted, I would have been, you know, what they say. <laughs> well, I'll say it this way. I would have been at another disadvantage. Yeah. So, you, so at Spelman, you, you took ballet? Did you, but yeah, what else did but you do? By the, by the time I graduated from high school, because that was eighth grade, seventh grade, moved there. Okay. And I started when I was in the eighth grade. I graduated from, um, when I came out of high school, I then entered Spelman as a soprano. I majored in music. Okay. So voice is my major. Okay. In my degree. And it was just a good, wonderful experience because it's Spelman, all of these amazing professors, because that was a time period where the graduates were really trying to help black students find the dignity and the pride of being African American and that your giftings matter at the table. And so I found my place. You know, I found a, a certain place there at the school. But I still struggled, as you know, during that time period with personal, but singing was something I, I always had a gift to do, and it was the one thing that was so important to me. And even when I was feeling depressed or down, I could sing and get my joy back. Wow. That was always so, I look back at it now, and that was so important to my survival. You're still singing now. I oh, yes, I you, do. You work that into <laughs> to the tours. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what are some of your favorite songs? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And I sing that song because not only was it important during the bus boycott mm -hmm. and civil rights movement, that was a favorite to be sang during the uh, mass meetings, the marches and sit-ins. But I sing it on the tours because that's who every one of us are on the planet. Shining lights, mm -hmm. and everywhere we go, we're letting our light shine. Right. So I, I open up the tours most of the time, singing that song, and music brings people together in a way that it's it's a spiritual impartation right. of love, yeah. and it doesn't matter what language you speak or faith you are, that song resonates yeah. with most people. Yeah. And so I sing on the tours, and I like to close out with "We Shall Overcome," but instead of "We Shall Overcome someday," like the song naturally normally sings we shall overcome today yeah. is what I have us to say and then I close in a prayer that God gave me you know the serenity prayer I do know the serenity but prayer. I've modified it a little bit I have people to pray God grant me the to accept the things I cannot change give me courage to change the things I can 
Help me to love and help somebody every day, no matter their faith, ethnicity, disability, or gender. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, well, nice amendment there. Nice, nice, uh, fresh translation of that prayer. It's, it's, it's amazing to me, and I'll just pause right here and say this, it's amazing to me how often uh, when I sit down and we share a meal, well, when I share a meal with a podcast guest, how quiet the restaurant is. And then once we start, never ceases to fail. Man, it just escalates. And we, we, I think everybody is, wow, I turn around and this is, the room is full behind us. Uh, and it was a good breakfast, too. It was a good place. It was very delicious. I enjoyed that. Uh, and Cahaba House, and I'm just going to pause right here in the conversation. It's not like we're doing an advertisement here, but uh, what did you what did you have this morning? I had um, granola with yogurt mm-hmm. and strawberries, and then I had a delicious bagel with cream cheese and these specialized jellies that they had. One was a blueberry, and the other was a uh, strawberry with basil. Basil. Wow. You know, that was unique, wasn't it? Uh, that was it. a different flavoring, and it was delicious, too. Both of them were very good. Yeah, I was kind of eyeing the basil uh, jelly there. Yes. I, I had uh, the Mama's Breakfast Bowl, which is, get this, it's grits, pimento cheese. I've never had that. I know. It was really good. And, on a, uh, and also scrambled eggs and bacon bits. It was just just right, and I've noticed that Charles has brought us an order of beignets there. So oh, these are the best yes. beignets. Yeah. Oh, I, my I love God. Beignets. Oh, they're uh, great. It so has a little cinnamon inside. I'm gonna, we're going to get into those in a Yay. minute because I'm okay. going to need to be, there's so much powdered sugar on that. My white mustache or white is going to get even whiter. I understand. So. Um, in my journey, I have uh, gone back to places of great pain. In my life, God's redemption in places where once I've been hurting before, and, you know, and I already alluded to the to the powerful uh, illustration there of going back to when Dexter Avenue was being formed of those going back, some of them I'm sure former slaves, going back to the very slave pens that held them, and they're transforming that place into a place of worship. Um, have there been places in your life where God's healing, God's redemption has showed up in places where once this was a place of difficulty for me, or it, or you were here in Montgomery yes. during the days of civil rights, uh, you know things you've seen and you've witnessed kind of help prepare you or set the set the table for what you are doing now. You want to talk? You didn't see it at the time because you had no idea where your journey was going. But you want to respond to that one? I would love to. Um, my family here in Montgomery owned four businesses during the bus boycott. Um, one was Howard and Howard's Funeral Home, Good Service Taxi, Good Service Shoe Shine, and Barbershop. And um, because my family was involved with the bus boycott, helping to transport people, and my family had been known as leaders, as servants and leaders in this community. And when my mother moved us in 1968 to Atlanta after Dr. King was killed, I thought I would never live live here again because we were just trying to transition out of all of that segregated lifestyle Mm -hmm. that was uh, prominent here. 
So when we get to Atlanta and through my adult life, I'm thinking, okay, that's the past. Mm -hmm. Three husbands <laughs> um, um, ago, my third husband brought me back home mm -hmm. in 1998. Okay. No, 1995. Okay. And he passed away eight months after we got here. Mm. And I look back now and I see God's hand in bringing me back home and having him to bring me back home mm -hmm. for such a time as this. Because this was a part of my redemption. I needed to come back so that I could face all of those demons of this town is still segregated. Mm -hmm. This the evils that had been here. I had to come back so that I could face it and be a game changer in making the change. Once I had, had accepted the fact that the city needed to change and that it was changing. And so now that I've been doing this work for five years, I'm even more committed to the fact that it, it begins with me. Mm -hmm. And so whatever Montgomery is to develop and be, what I'm doing is important to that change. So this, doing this work at Dexter is like a redemptive work for me. That I have forgiven the city for all of the heinous acts against African American people and against people of color. And so now, what it's also doing is it's making me also take this transformative journey with this country. So now I'm having to really examine out, how do I believe about this president that I do not agree with any of his values or beliefs and values? And I decided he's my brother. And he needs Jesus just like I do. So I pray for my brother, Donald Trump. But I do not agree with his morals, his ethics. And I pray that if by chance there will come a day when he will then receive the love of God who created him. My, 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 God would have answered my prayers and probably many others. Yeah, and that's what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to pray for those in authority over us, even when we disagree that's right. uh, vehemently yeah, that's with right. the things that they do or the things that they stand for or the steps that they're taking. Uh, God never wastes a single moment of our journey uh, in preparing us for life and how He's using us in life. And it's beautiful to see. You can't see it going forward, but it, you, we must continue to go forward, but you sure can see it looking back. Oh, yes. So. People on the tours, when I tell them of this new revelation for me, of my choosing now to tell them that, um, uh, President Trump is my brother, mm -hmm. people are like, really? You really believe? <laughs> yeah. He's created in the like, image yes. of God, yeah. just like Barack Obama's created in the image of God, just like... Uh, 
George W. Bush created in the image of God go all the way back in every single person created in God's image. Yes, and that's why Dr. King, he was always saying, you're my white brothers and sisters. Let us come to the table of understanding so that instead of fearing each other and fighting against each other, let us then come to understand each other so that we can be brothers, true brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And so that's what another thought in my mind of fulfillment is that we must all come to that place of understanding because what you don't understand we fear in our human human reality we do we fear each other things we are not you know that's it's uncomfortable for us and that's why we need to have conversations with one another oh absolutely continue 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 Mm, that's it continue to have these conversations and it takes courage to have the conversation because to be able to honestly say right now I don't believe black and white people can really make this place and come to this place together. It takes courage to be able to say that. But it takes courage also to say that I have a hope and a belief that one day little black girls and white boys (laughs) will join hands and that we will no longer judge one another by the color of skin but by the content of our character and we will be kind and we will forgive and we will work together to build the beloved community and that is my hope every day and i'm i'm beginning with me yes and i'm beginning with me and that the key of starting that, or one of the keys, the big key, is that we want to. We want to. That we want to do that. Yes, yeah, we it, want it, to. It, it, because if, want if to. Jesus is in our heart, then there is the impetus for our want to, to change. Right That's there. right. And guess um, what? One of the simplest ways we do at the church, it starts with a hug. Mm-hmm. People come into church, and people are throwing up. They kind of throw it up. Yeah, we hug just about everybody that come into yeah, church. Yeah. And those who are not huggers, because I've had two people who told me they weren't huggers. Yeah. So I say, well, do you take a blown kiss? And I do. <laughs> and then another lady told me, she said, I'm not a hugger. And she reached her hand out and did the pound. Yeah. I said, well, we went good. And I pound her back. So I'm saying we must allow each other in our diversity to still find ways to draw into one another and say, Everything about you is not wrong. There's some good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's good in the best of us. Yeah. Right, good in the worst of us, and there's there's evil within right, our hearts in the best of us. That is right. It's just, uh, mm-hmm. What does Jesus mean to you personally, Wanda? Uh, Jesus is the, the, the one who came and who gave me an opportunity to get it right because he had paid the price for, um, for my sin. And I had to come to that place where I realized that all that crazy I had done, I had read it in the Bible where he died for that and he nailed it all to the cross. But I didn't believe that, not really. But after I'd gone through some things and I couldn't seem to get over the guilt of the wrong decisions that I felt I'd made, that it put me in these bad places. I finally one day realized that it was him. It it had to be him who opened my eyes and opened my heart to understand he really died for me. It wasn't just the world in some big elusive representation. No, he really did it for me. He hung from the cross for me. His blood was me. 
once I got it, my life has never been the same. So I see him as my redeemer. He's my friend. I can talk to him about anything. And I ask him every day about things. I wake up in the morning and I talk to him and I lay quiet. So I can just be in this presence, not ask anything. But then those things I need his wisdom about, I can ask him he always answers. And I'm so grateful. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's a part of this life I'm living now, flying like an eagle, is because of the assurance he's with me. Yes, ma'am. Always with us. Always. That's the promise he left us. When, when he left those uh, his disciples and ascended into heaven, the last thing he said, you got a mission to do, go make disciples. Yes. Uh, you know, teaching them to observe all things, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, and lo, I I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Your podcast is going to be released Thanksgiving week, so the Monday before Thanksgiving. And and I think, you know, almost this question may be redundant here, but what are you most thankful for? What are you thankful for? Oh, my. I am thankful I live a life of liberty in Jesus Christ now. I live a life of love. I thank Him for the love of other people. I thank Him for the the truth and the lip. I thank Him just for the freedom to be who He's made me to be now. Yeah, it's like I say yes to Him. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Instead of being afraid and saying no to things because I fear, I say yes to so many things now because he shows up. He just wants to use me as a vessel. He just wants to use all of us mm-hmm. in our places, vessels, to keep carrying the message of redemptive love. Yes, ma'am. That's why I love the title of your, your podcast, Redemption's Table. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's a God thing. Yeah. yeah, it's a God thing. Yeah, what, it's a God what thing. he allows, he <laughs> redeems. Yes, so, yes, yeah. yeah. So we're blessed. I'm so honored to meet you. It's an honor to meet you. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, to meet all these people behind us who have joined us. That's <laughs> like a thing. It, it was quiet in here before we started rolling. So. Yes. When you're doing tour, or tours, you ever have a question? Every now and then, you ever go, you know, I wish somebody would ask me this question today. Do you have a favorite question or a question you just wish, I wish they would ask me this question. Oh, that's a good one. I wish they would ask me this question. Um, I tell them so much. <laughs> um, hmm. I had a little fifth grade boy, though. And this wasn't something I asked. He just asked this, and I thought it was so. He says, do you live by the Holy Spirit of God? This was a kid, fifth grade or so. And I said, yes. Wow. I said I couldn't live life without God giving me direction by his spirit. I do these tours because of it. Wow. Jesus said a child shall lead, lead us, you know. Unless you become like a little child. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. And a little girl yesterday, her name was Arya. Arya is, as she told me, five years of age. <laughs> Arya says, Jesus is our Lord and he takes care of us. Wow. I wow. said, you're so right, Arya. Come here, let me hug you. 
and these children, uh, parents are teaching, you know, consciously some of the children are being taught to love, uh, learning the message of Jesus Christ as kids. And I appreciate these, it was, it, there were five of them. That's precious. And they were all, uh, 18 months was the youngest, so let's see. Aubrey was seven. Wow. And all of them are being reared. I think they are homeschooled. And they are being reared in the love of Jesus. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so they sang this little light of mine with me. Oh, yes, they did. It was sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And I'm often fascinated too. Children come in the church. And most children, if they don't know you, they, you know, kind of push you away. And they come in that way. And because I I love children, I go in their world. Yeah. And before long, honey, they are singing and they are telling me things about the family and whatever is in their heart and minds. And by the time they walk out of that church, they're like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> they warm up to they warm up to love. Yes. Mm -hmm. One of the docents at the church said this one day. She says, Wanda, she said, people come here one, come in here one way, mm -hmm. but they leave out another. That's what she said. And I've started watching, and people come in one way, and they leave out another. We all do, because with every tour, I'm changed even. Yeah. yeah. The dynamic of what I share and we share together. Mm -hmm. It's like my family is leaving, and I cry. Yeah. <laughs> You've been given a, a, a wonderful gift. You are a wonderful gift. What time's your next tour? Well, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got the children. Um, yeah, they are fourth graders. Fourth graders coming mm -hmm. in at 10 And the, I'm not a lot, also with, uh, who was the other group coming? Because this is going to be an interesting dynamic. I love when older groups and children come together. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, something special happens on those tours. So... Can I make your 10 a.m. tour? Absolutely. Come. I'm going to be there. Yeah. Oh, I, have, I, have a, I have an 11.30 podcast, but I would love to be in on your tour. Oh, come, come so on. I'll do come that. In. We have beignets on the table. We're going to finish Yay. out with some beignets. I'm sorry I took your nap. No, no, no. You're crazy. <laughs> I had to dry my eyes. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, thank you for, for sharing this time. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with those who are listening in. So, uh, and if y'all are in the area, or, or if you're not, just if you're coming, come to Alabama, come to Montgomery, and go take out, check out the tour at Baxter Avenue. So, thank you, Wanda, so much. This has been so wonderful. Thank you. It's been a great way to start the day. Yes, ma'am. Well, every when it, those who are listening in, they know that they they will either see it in print or hear it said. This invitation. Uh, Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Would you sign us off with those words? Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Juan. You're welcome. The second one they taught me was, he's got the whole world in his hands. But we're not getting ready to sing that one, Robert. We are getting ready to rock this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Everybody give the choir some love. Okay, choir, here we go. We're rocking it to the right. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine.
Come on.